Let's pray. El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty, thank you for the time to worship you this morning, to pause from our daily work and busy schedules, and to refocus and center our lives on and in you. Bless our name now, O Lord, and nourish our hearts and minds with your holy word as we consider St. Paul's exhortation to the Ephesians that we should be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Today is a day reflecting that of battle. It's that day of the year when we sing some militant-type songs like we just sang, some battle-referencing hymns, encouraging us to stand up for Jesus and to stand strong in our faith against the evils that seek to undo us. And we do that and focus on that today because on the 21st Sunday after Trinity, we read our epistle lesson from Ephesians chapter 6. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, then you can go ahead and you can get those open now to the sixth chapter of Ephesians. Now, the most famous part of that chapter of Ephesians is something that almost every Christian seems to know. And even if you don't know where Ephesians is in the Bible, and even if you don't know the chapter and the reference of it, you know about this theme. And all of our children learn of it in Sunday school at some point or another. Because what better is there for, to learn for children than about warriors and about armor and about fighting? Today we hear and we sing about the armor of God. And one might think that St. Paul had some sort of heavenly vision in mind when he wrote this. Like that of the imagery of Revelation or maybe like the epic battles in recent movies. Maybe his mental canvas was painted with soldiers clashing in battle. Maybe he envisioned nation against nation with Christ sitting atop his horse, belting out a speech like Mel Gibson in the movie Braveheart, rallying the troops. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, as we just sang. But I think we know better than that. Actually, the scene in the background to this armor of God's section is actually much different than that. The book of Ephesians is actually known as one of the prison epistles. St. Paul was imprisoned for a few years, and during that time he wrote letters to the various churches and or to individuals. And four of those of the New Testament that are considered prison epistles include Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and Ephesians. And so it is that while Paul sat in prison, he was probably gazing upon the soldiers who were guarding and tending to him on a daily basis. And as he looked upon them with their army sandals, their chest plates, their shield, their sword or stave, their helmet, and he was reminded of the battles that we face. And in light of those battles, Paul was reminded of the spiritual armor that is required to fight those spiritual battles. And as he thought about those spiritual battles and that spiritual armament, Isaiah 59 must have run through his mind. And so he writes to them about the Christian soldier. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 18. Therefore... Take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, 
having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You can see how Paul writes as his eyes physically scanned the soldier standing nearby to his prison cell. But look again at the passage, and you also note how with every single piece of physical armor that he sees, he relates something with that that is not physical and not tangible, but rather spiritual and godly. In that list, we read of truth, righteousness, gospel of peace, faith, salvation, spirit, word of God, prayer, perseverance, supplication. These aren't your typical weapons. These aren't your typical armor. But, and to St. Paul's point in all of this, this isn't a typical battle. This isn't a battle to preserve your physical life. This is a battle to preserve your soul. For we, as St. Paul says in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Simply put, Satan is out to destroy us. Satan is out to destroy you. Satan is out to destroy me. St. Peter says it this way, and I use a loose translation because it helps stress the point. Be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind. Be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and to devour. And friends, he will do so in a very particular way. And this is the point I want us to remember as we move forward. Satan will try to make us forget who God is and to forget who we are in Christ. Satan will try to make us forget who God is and who we are in Christ. This is a final plea of St. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. He's gone through everything else so far in the epistle. If you remember last week, the first half of my sermon was about the beginning of Ephesians and how God, through Christ, called those who once were in darkness, those who once were afar off, And he called them near to him. And he says that by God's grace, God has made us to sit in heavenly places. Furthermore, God has called us into community and relationship, not only with himself, but he has united us all with each other as the holy children of God. And now, as a closing thought, as a closing exhortation, Paul warns them. And he basically says, Satan will be out to destroy you. Satan will be out to make you forget all that I just told you. Satan desires for us to forget who God is and desires us to forget who we are in Christ. And St. Paul tells us that we're in a battle. And the battle's not an easy one. And it's often an internal battle, an internal struggle. I mean, we battle against sin. Perhaps the sin exhibited in the hearts and actions of others towards us And yet, if we're honest, the temptation and sins of our own hearts. 
We battle against our own feelings and internal perceptions of ourselves and our situations. We face battles of circumstance, sometimes the which are the result of our own making, like King David and his adultery. But sometimes circumstances specifically brought about by Satan against us for nothing that we did, as was the case with Job. We face the battles of a broken world that is crying out for perfection that it once had, crying out with things like disasters, flooding, earthquakes, fires, all of which we've seen in the last several months across this world. We face the brokenness of diseased and dying bodies. We face the hatred and hardness of hearts and ideologies which seek to divide and to kill and to murder people, whether it be through things like abortion or through attacks like the terrorist who drove down the bike path this week in New York City. Truly what we face are battles of brokenness. And this is what the sly and cunning one is about. Satan is about brokenness. Satan is about our brokenness. He wants you to break. He wants you to think that there's no hope. He wants you to feel useless. He wants you to feel overwhelmed. He wants you to feel the weight of guilt. He wants you to think that you're not good enough. He wants you to think that you've screwed up too much. He wants you to feel tired of fighting the good fight. He wants you to be afraid that you can't do it. He wants you to try to find comfort in things like treasures and pleasures of this earthly life. He wants you to drift away from God. And he wants the world, and especially Christ's kingdom, to turn in on itself, knowing that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And the more that he can make you focus on those things and on the brokenness of sin, the more you'll divert your eyes away from who God is from the very one who heals your brokenness and who makes you whole in Christ Jesus. It's like a boat floating in the night. The beam of the lighthouse stands as a beacon, guiding and directing you to the shore and to safety. But the moment you lose focus of that light, and the longer that you fail to see that light, the further you end up drifting away. When you lose focus of your true strength, When you lose focus of your true purpose, when you lose focus of the one who has made you whole, the next thing you know, you've drifted a long way off. Forget who God is, and forget who God has made you to be in Christ Jesus, and you begin to lose that battle. And so going back to Ephesians chapter 6, Paul makes this exhortation. Look at how he starts that whole section, and focus yourself on verse 10 of chapter 6. What does that say? Oh, we got a reader. (laughs) Careful, people might have a heart attack. (laughs) Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If you do have your Bibles open and a pen handy, make sure you underline those key words. It's not just be strong. I mean, I know that's the in thing for cities to put their name with the word strong amidst it in trying times. Boston strong, Houston strong, and so on. But this simply isn't a hashtag be strong or a hashtag kingdom strong. This is be strong in who? The Lord. And be strong in the strength of what? The power of his might. Whose power and whose might? His might. Now there's the message. 
And there's the key to it all. Find your strength in who the Lord is and in what he has done and what he can do. Because here's what we know and of what we are assured concerning Christ. And these are the things that we confess every week in our creed. Jesus died for our sins. He is our righteousness. And in him we are the children of God and heirs with Christ. Jesus rose from the dead and has given us new life, a new life whereby we serve God. And though we may die in this body, we're given that life everlasting. Jesus ascended. He sits on high, having received a name above all other names, and he rules over us as king of kings. Jesus sent the Spirit, and he unites and empowers his church to do his bidding in the world, and Jesus will come again. And all things will be placed under his rule. Nothing and no one can stop or end Jesus' kingship. And to that kingdom, we belong. And when we confess these things of the creed, we're not just making statements and definitions about Christ. We're not just confessing some sort of theological treatise, if you will. And I want you to understand this point. We are confessing a reality a reality of who Christ is and what he has and will do for us. The creed is a life-forming and life-reassuring confession, a strengthening war cry, if you will, as we face the spiritual battles of this life. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in God the Holy Spirit and what he has done. And in and through this triune God, I am victorious. Our hope and our identity, our driving force and the strength and might of God in our lives is in Jesus Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, who is victorious in battle against Satan and the brokenness of our lives. If you're struggling in your weakness or in your brokenness, or in your sinfulness, or in your circumstance, then refocus yourself on Christ. As tough and as real and as agonizing as those situations may be, they are nothing compared to the strength of the Lord. You have a strength that is stronger than you are. Put on the full armor of God. Put on everything that is Christ's. Put on his truth, put on his gospel, put on his salvation, put on his righteousness, put on his peace. Engross and protect yourself with who God is and who he has made you to be in Christ. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Let us pray. Gracious Father, thank you again for your holy work. That you, for the gift of your, thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for what he has done for us and for making us your children, the children of your love in and through him. Lord, as we remember St. Paul's exhortation from Ephesians, we ask that if anyone here is struggling, if anyone here is weak, if anyone here is facing an attack of Satan against their soul, we ask that you would help keep their hearts and their minds focused on who you are and on who you have made them to be in Christ. Lift them up, O Lord, in your strength and in the power of your might, that we may all stand firm and enjoy the victory that comes in the name of Jesus, through whom we pray. Amen.